We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter as always at Overtime Ireland. Uh, once again, Sean, unfortunately, still under the weather as we get ready here for our Super Bowl preview show. I'm I'm sure he was battling all possibilities to make sure he could get on here. We'll be doing our picks towards the end of the show. I think you'll know which way Sean's leaning on on the outcome. But uh, thankfully, once again, Mr. Neil Dutton has jumped aboard, has been able to get himself to the microphone and is ready to fill you with some fantasy knowledge we'll be talking mainly today about the super bowl so neil super bowl what are we at are we at 54 uh yes i believe it is that's a good guess i, I just guessed that uh, had no idea i literally see when it comes to roman numerals no idea at all have yeah. you any can you follow the system um no what's it what, I, I know what 10 is and that if, <laughs> if, if, if as long as it's got x's in it i'm okay but if you, as soon as you, you go away from the x's i'm struggling I was about to say as well, when it comes to normal numbers, how do you find normal numbers? Any good? Above 10? Uh, I've only got 10 fingers. Uh, I'd, have my, <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have to take my shoes and socks off to keep counting any further. So it's just, it's, it's just not worth the effort. 
No, I think I think Neil's uh, been a little bit harsh on themselves. I know he can count above ten, but Neil, uh, thanks once again for jumping aboard the the show here as we get ready for the Super Bowl. I'm I'm excited to talk a little bit about it. Would have been more excited if the Packers hadn't got absolutely demolished by the the Forty Niners and the the NFC Conference game. Uh, that one has taken me. Uh, I'm still not over it. I'll be honest with you. I felt the Packers were going to lose that one. I felt it probably would turn out that way. I just didn't want to believe it so uh, we're getting ready for the 49ers uh, to face off against the Chiefs uh, excited for this one Nate? well I am I mean you know going back to what you said about the Packers as an Eagles fan I have sat through uh, four uh, conference game defeats and all four of the ones that the Eagles lost I knew pretty much after two or three minutes yeah this isn't going to happen um, so it's it's even though you know it's going to you, it's going to end up badly it doesn't make it any any easier this could be, you know, one of the best Super Bowls of of all time, certainly of recent years, because we have, you know, the contrast of styles. You know, we have offense against defense, and of course, you know, knocking at the door of my inner man, we have the two best tight ends in the NFL going head to head. So, what what's not to like? It's the it's the Dutton Bowl. I think we'll start to call it here now with the the tight ends getting the lead of the way. So I like we might that. Have to, yeah, we'll we'll have to break that down for sure later on in the show. But when we look at it, um, you know, I think it, it's going to be fascinating. And you mentioned, you know, it could be one of the best. But if you look, we were very fortunate over the last maybe six seven years. We had a, a nice run of competitive uh, kind of Super Bowls before that. There was kind of a lot of blowouts going either way. Um, last year, now even though it was a close game, one of the I'll admit, I, I kind of nodded off for part of that second half <laughs> last year. Uh, might have had a couple of beverages that might have uh, occurred that as well. But um, looking forward to it being a better one uh, heading in this season. But we've had a, a couple of very, very fascinating ones. Um, so we'll jump into the preview. And before actually we get into the preview, I guess we'll, you know, the Eagles, we're talking about those, you know, defeats, unfortunately, in the, the championship game. I'll admit that this game had didn't have the pain of that 2014 loss to the Seahawks because that one absolutely destroyed me for quite some time. But uh, we'll, we'll forget about all the bad memories and we'll focus on the good memories, Neil. Uh, whether it's Eagles-related or not, have you a, a favourite Super Bowl memory, whether it's watching the game or whether it's the actual game itself? Um, I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't answer this with just two words. Philly special. Uh, yeah, that one there might have been might have been pretty good. Uh, still wondering, Mark Sessler's still wondering over at the around the NFL podcast uh, if that is a, if that is a special enough play. But I have to say, watching that that was one of my favorite uh, games in the Super Bowl over the last couple of years. It was just like you know back and forth and went down to the wire. Um, you know the the touchdown pass as well to Alshon Jeffrey. I've always had a even though he was with the Bears for a number of years, I've always had a soft spot for Alshon Jeffrey. That was a, a pretty special game all around. Um, I would have to imagine when the Philly special occurred, you probably lost your mind to a high degree. Uh, I was laughing my face off uh, just at the <laughs> sheer audacity of it. It was you know it's fourth down. You know, just take three. We're going into halftime in the Super Bowl. I saw the you know direct snap to Corey Clement and. Well, I was with my friend, he was another Eagles fan, and I think I may have uttered an, expl- an expletive at first, but then when Trey, bizarrely, once he threw it to Trey Burton, I, ha- I wasn't watching Nick Foles, but I remembered that Trey Burton had been a quarterback in college. So as soon as it went to Burton, I said, he's going to throw this. And then when he floated it up to Foles, I just started laughing. And it was just the, oh my God, Doug Peterson has, you know, has some major cojones. And it was... That was the first moment, obviously, there was still a whole half to go, but that was the moment that told me that Peterson was not there 
to make up the numbers for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It was, no, no, you're going to get a game here. And I don't know, I didn't think that's the moment that Eagles are going to win because you don't write off the Patriots. But that moment, it was the, oh my God, this fella's actually going to try everything to win. And that was just, it was just wonderful. Yeah, and I was, was so, it... you know, I, I, had, <laughs> I, I, I had no liquid courage. I was stone sober and I was laughing. Yeah, it's one of those things that like, if Bill Belichick had pulled off that play, people would say, oh, well, that's what Belichick does. To pull it off against somebody who has kind of planned for every scenario uh, is something that was you know, incredibly uh, impressive. And just an impressive performance all around. You know, the backup quarterback and Nick Bowles, the whole situation around it. Uh, you know, he probably thought, like, I'm down here. at, uh, I'm inside the five. I have a backup quarterback. Let's make sure we, like, take your chances. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, give them pin back. So uh, amazing play that I think will live long in uh, the Super Bowl uh, memories you mentioned something there too and i find it happens me and i don't know if it actually happens in real time or if it's something that you put into revisionist history is that thing where something happens in a game and that split second your mind seems to have already d- decided like four or five sentences ahead it happens on a weekly basis but sometimes i wonder if i just imagine it after it happens do you think that's something that does happen where i i think like just particularly in fantasy football i remember maybe five or six years ago uh doing pre-season preview podcast and then at some point maybe in like week eight i was just talking about something and there mentioned like a third stringer that was cut that was on some other team and i always wondered like how the hell did that stay in my brain but it's one of those things when those things happen they just happen without you even thinking about it well revisionist history is you know it's false memory syndrome as my dad calls it is it's a very real phenomenon because i I don't live uh, in my hometown anymore. So I live a little bit further away, but I do go back occasionally. And when I see people that I know from school, they have this very strange memory of me and of, <laughs> things, of things we did when we were friends. And in my head, I'm like, you couldn't stand me and I didn't like you either. So I don't know where you've got this idea from. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's very strange. Obviously, you know, look at Revit. You know, doing fancy football, you're looking at all these players trying to find an edge. And I know with so much information and podcasts and websites and draft guides, there's no real sleepers anymore. But it's weird that there's just some names that you see that, as say, for some reason they stick in your head. Like I remember a few years ago, Dontrell Inman caught a touchdown uh, for the Chargers, and one of my friends went, "I'm sorry, I've no idea who the hell he is." And I went, "Yeah, he played in the CFL," and I was like, "Why would I know that?" How did, who told me that, that I would need that? I mean, I can't remember, where, I can't tell you right now where my house keys are, but I can tell you that <laughs> Don Trillman plays in the CFL. Yeah. It's, the, the way the human brain works, especially the fantasy player's brain, it's a frightening thing. I would imagine most of the listeners out there can can really relate to that as well. So I guess we'll, I, I'll do my favourite memory. It's no surprise. It's the Packers beating the Steelers uh, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so I'll keep it short and sweet. I'll leave it at that. The listeners are, are sick of hearing me talking about the Packers at this point. But I guess uh, we'll, we'll start to look towards the game. But uh, what do you normally do for the Super Bowl? You mentioned being uh, sober for the Eagles game. Was that more out of fear of what could happen? Or uh, do, you, do you watch it like that one with friends? Or do you have a, a party? Or what, what's the plan in the, the Dalton household? Um, I don't watch it at home anymore because I say I have two small children and the prospect of me waking them up if the Eagles had won, I think I'd still be in the doghouse now. <laughs> uh, so I, um, my uh, Eagles support friend and I, everyone else, all my friends who like the NFL all are all scattered to the four winds so we don't actually get together, just me and my other friend. We go out for something to eat on the Sunday where we invite a few non-NFL fans with, with us they can, so they can eat and hear me and my friend 
argue at them, even though they don't have it, they have no skin in the game. Then we'll go back uh, to his house because he doesn't have children, so I can shout and I have a very loud voice, which people pointed out. So that's always a comfort. <laughs> and then, and then we watch that. Uh, we'll watch it there. And we'll argue about what's happening. Uh, we'll throw crisps at each other, and I'll get him to make me copious amounts of coffee uh, to get me through the game. Because the problem is, I don't drink during the Super Bowl anymore because. Drinking that late makes me sleepy, and I don't want to miss the game. Yeah, that, that nailed me last year, but that was more down to the game being as boring as it, it potentially was. But I know my brother's a, a Patriots fan, so he loved it immensely. But uh, my, my plan, we I have a we have a like a home league or dynasty league, and uh, we usually all meet up and watch it. So the plan is to to do that this year, as you mentioned, when when children that come into it, uh, I have a young daughter. Things like that do come into it where you're you know, shuffling around this year, you might have eight next year, you might have two. It just depends. So um, I, I do remember though, you, when you talk back to Super Bowls, Patriots fans won't want to hear this one, but the, the year of the, the Atlanta, or the Patriots fans will want to hear it. Obviously the year of the Atlanta Falcons collapse in the Super Bowl, I actually threw a plastic bottle into the fire in my house. I was watching it alone that year and the, the, the bottle uh, exploded and um, put coal all over the floor. So uh, I'm in a rented house and uh, uh, that, the floor still has the burn marks to prove it. But, there's always kind of strange things like that that will happen around the Super Bowl, but usually uh, a, a friend's uh, house, uh, this year will be my house, but uh, not not in the same house as uh, the, the children will be. But when, when you look at it, Neil, a lot of people will listen to the show who are in the UK or in Ireland will understand kind of that thing of the game starts here at half 11. Um, you know, the listeners in the US, it'll be a different situation. They're getting up, they're having their whole day. Uh, it's a different situation here where people, some people like, the majority of people in fact just simply do not know it's on do not care it's on um so it, it is that like extra effort to find locations to watch the game so it's always a bit different so i know if sean was on the show i had planned to ask him this question it'd be a different kind of aspect to be more of a family event whereas here literally uh, it's trying to get people who want to come and drink alcohol with you at very late hours of the night is kind of the way it goes but I, i'm excited i'm excited for this one it took me until yesterday to start to get excited due to the nature of the the Packers defeat, but uh, I, I can I can categorically say I'm excited now. So for the listeners who have heard us waffle on about different experiences, let's get into to what we actually think is going to happen in the game this week. Um, I, I'll let you go first. I have a kind of a, a specific mindset of what is likely to happen, uh, but I'll let you have the floor first, and then I'll I'll see where you're going. See, I have um, emotional reasons for hoping the Chiefs win and the biggest one is probably the biggest one it's Andy Reid now Andy Reid obviously finished his time with the Eagles slightly you know slightly sour terms the last couple of years weren't great it got a bit stale and as we all know the Eagles fans are ridiculously nice and friendly people Uh, they're so forgiving to people who apparently have wronged them Um, but it was when Andy Reid took over the Eagles the Eagles were a joke and had pretty much been a joke for the best part of 50 years he turned them into a perennial power in the NFC, got them to one Super Bowl, probably should have got to a few more, but didn't happen. It just went stale. It just needed to end. Um, and, and, you know, it shows you the regard that Andy Reid is held in around the NFL, that he was unemployed for approximately two and a half minutes before he got taken on by the Chiefs. And it's just one of those, I just think he's still very, very underrated coach. He's, you know, great offensive mind, despite the fact that, if you actually look in terms of fantasy points, in terms of fantasy performances, his wide receivers haven't always been productive. I think he's only had 
four wide receivers to have a thousand yard seasons in his offense. And he's been a coach now for nearly 20 years. So I think I'm right in saying that the only wide receivers he has had who have gone over a thousand yards have been Trell Owens, Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, and Tyreek Hill. It all, oh, and Kevin Curtis. Can't forget Kevin Curtis, you know, Canton bound, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's not been great. He's not been great for fantasy. He hates running backs. He loves ignoring the run, but he's productive and he's got, in my opinion, the best player in the NFL and certainly the best player in the in this game, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And I just think that's a huge difference maker across across both teams. I, I think uh, I hadn't even thought about the you know your emotional connection, but you mentioned Andy Reid. I have said many many times about how underrated he is. I, I think that like outside of Bill Belichick, if you look at long longevity, if that is even how you say the word, uh, and you know overall his uh, commitment to what he has done in the NFL, I think Andy Reid is over the last decade at least is no doubt top five. I would say top two possibly behind Bill Belichick in terms of what he's done um you know people talk about the Alex Smith kind of revival you know that was in my opinion pretty much all down to Andy Reid I know we have obviously a situation now where Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable but there's no doubt that he's been put in a position to succeed on a weekly basis um I, I think he's he's vastly underrated I also like if the 49ers won this game I would have no well feeling towards Kyle Shanahan who Again, I mentioned earlier the Falcons game. You know, it would be kind of a redemption story for him, even though the Falcons probably wouldn't feel any any nice sympathy towards it. But I think, you know, watching how the 49ers have played this year, outside of that game against the the Saints where they had gone toe-to-toe and it was kind of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then Kittle had that long run at the end to set up the field goal where they beat the Saints in the Superdome. They've, they've won games with... Jimmy Garoppolo kind of managing the game and we've seen it against the Packers my fear last week was Packers would go behind the 49ers would just run the ball run the ball run the ball and like it, it turned out there was I think it was a 40 minute spell where Garoppolo didn't throw a pass now you know there's a situation where you can see Jimmy Garoppolo potentially holding court with Drew Brees in terms of you know you mentioned earlier about the downfield arm strength and you know it's kind of dink and dunk and moving the ball that way but I can't see a situation where he can keep up with Patrick Mahomes if Patrick Mahomes is given time and I don't even think it's a situation where Patrick Mahomes needs to be given time he can do things like off awkward platforms he can like we've seen the Russian touchdown he had against the Titans he can do those sort of things and those sort of things will put strain on this 49ers team now we've seen when they met previously um, that there was some situations where like a couple of holding penalties against Tyreek Hill that weren't called things like that um, you know from like Richard Sherman or one specific that pops to mind I think there's opportunities for them to attack this team downfield I think that's where teams haven't been able to do that based on the pass rush is so good the quarterback isn't getting time but what the Chiefs have is players like McCall Hardman and Tyreek Hill who have that speed on the outside where Mahomes doesn't necessarily need a huge amount of time to try those deep passes and you can't really press those guys at the line of scrimmage so it's going to open up some things and uh, I, I do think that like this could be a long one for the 49ers I know they have the defensive ability like we've seen teams play this Chiefs team who have had defensive abilities and then in the last two second quarters and in a couple of situations this season they've just blown teams out of the water you know putting up four touchdowns and things like that in one quarter 
I think like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think if they put up two touchdowns in say the first or second quarter, I think it's going to be a tough hole to get those Forty uh, ers back out of. I think that's my opinion of how it's going to go. But we're going to talk more about how, how we think the overall outcome will be in the second half of the show, and we're going to do that once I finish our ad read here to talk about the exclusive discount to our loyal listeners over at rotaviz.com. You can get a ten percent discount now to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the podcast homepage. That is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast gain unlimited access to all of our nfl content and tools and gain that amazing value to help support the podcast network along the way once again that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast so neil we've kind of hinted at it do you we both kind of lean there towards the chiefs what uh, do you think is the situation where we see the 49ers come out on top on this uh, like can you see a situation where they can just completely disrupt this chief's uh, attack in terms of being able to get pressure on Mahomes. I have no doubt they can shut down the run game, but can they shut down Patrick Mahomes for four quarters to not allow him to, let's say, we'll set the number at uh, 21 points? Can you see a situation where the 49ers can keep him below that? I think if there's any team that can, it would be the 49ers. But the problem is the next team to slow or shut down Patrick Mahomes will be the first. Because, you know, he is, I don't know, I'm struggling to think of a game where he was bad and didn't still put up points and yards and touchdowns. He's just, even if, you know, as I say, they're going to shut the run down. That's fine. Andy Reid can shut the run down himself. He doesn't need Robert Salah to help him. He'll He'll just go away from it all by himself. But I just think that in the past, we've seen Richard Sherman, who obviously is one of the best cornerbacks of the last decade, but he has had trouble in the past with smaller, shiftier receivers. Now, I know he's not, probably not going to follow Tyreek Hill, especially if Tyreek goes into the into the uh, slot. But I think the fact that the 49ers are a much more physical team on defence and the Chiefs are just, they're quicker. They're, I'm not, I don't want to say finesse, as that implies that you know maybe they're not tough enough, which, believe me, they are. They've got Travis Kelsey. He's a hard man. I just think that I, don't be wrong, both of these teams are fast. I think, you know, the speed that, you know, the 49ers have got on offense, you know, the likes of Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, even Emmanuel Sanders can still shift a bit for an old man, he says, knowing he's five years older than Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I just think that the biggest X factor in this whole game is Patrick Mahomes. If, I think it's a case that I don't think the 49ers can shut him down. I think they can just bring him down a level or two. But the danger of that is the Chiefs, I'd be more scared about the Chiefs bringing Jimmy Garoppolo down than I would about the 49ers taking Mahomes down. Because Patrick Mahomes down a couple of notches is still a great quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo down a couple of notches, we've seen him make mistakes. And I think he's not been protected in the last two playoff games. He just hasn't been made to do an awful lot because they've been able to run the ball. Yeah, no, I agree not, with that. Yeah. I, I, I do. No, I do agree with that. And I think that... People, if they're going into this game thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a good quarterback, I think they're mistaken what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Jimmy Garoppolo is a very good quarterback, but Kyle Shanahan is a very good play caller. In my opinion, one of the most creative in the NFL and seems to dial up those plays at the perfect time. Like They had that game in control and they had the game against the Vikings in control. They didn't need to pass it. It's very unusual to see a situation where they just decide, right, we're not going to pass it under any circumstance. But I, I did mention earlier the game against the Saints and they were able in that game to to really you know let Garoppolo have the opportunities to make those plays. The problem, I think, is if he gets into obvious passing situations where it's a two-score game, three-score game, 
that is where he makes the mistakes. There's, there is those throws there from time to time where you're wondering what has he seen or what was the you know decision-making process there. Um, there. There is those miscommunications and they can lead to turnovers. And one thing you just cannot do is be given turnovers and giving the ball to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes because they will punish you. You know, if the Chiefs have a drive and they come away with a field goal, it's almost like a, a disappointment for them based on how explosive they can be. And with the Chiefs, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is you can hold Mahomes down for one quarter long periods of a second quarter and he can just like they can just hit that button where you know two three plays is a touchdown so there is always that concern because if you look at how the Titans game started and it's certainly how the the game against the Texans started the Texans fans and the Titans fans would have been over the moon with how the first quarters were progressing in those and they just couldn't couldn't get the job done so it's going to be interesting to see I have to say the Packers struggled immensely against the run against the 49ers, but that was down to the 49ers and their ability. Like some of those plays in terms of Debo Samuel on those rushing plays, uh, you mentioned, you know, Kettle earlier, Kettle and his blocking ability. There was plays that like the running back was not getting touched to the second level and sometimes the third level and sometimes all the way to the end zone. Uh, they had a 70 yard drive in that game for a touchdown where they ran the ball, I think it was seven times and went for the touchdown, no passes in it. They, they just like, they can do those sort of things and, that is a way that you could keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. The problem is if you have those long drives, let's say you're starting at the 30-yard line, you have a 68-yard drive and you have to settle for a field goal or you don't get in on fourth down. If you're taking field goals and not getting touchdowns on those long drives, that means then that you're going to have limited possessions to get those touchdowns you need to get to beat uh, to beat a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think we've seen that. Um, I'm trying to think back now. I believe it was the... Ravens where they, they started to go for it on fourth downs pretty early um, you know against the against the Chiefs I'm, I could be mistaken that um, but you know sometimes you can fear what this Chiefs team could do and that can result then in poor decision making so it's going to be interesting to see how the 49ers play this I do think for the 49ers to win they do need to have a kind of lead throughout or at minimum be a one score game but I think they need to lead the way from start to finish if they're going to get it but I have I have strong feelings here that the Chiefs will just be too explosive and put up too many points for the the 49ers to be able to cope with it um like I wouldn't be shocked if the if the 49ers can can go and do it they are an extremely impressive team but I just think there's a lot of points that are signaled for me towards uh towards the Chiefs victory Uh, would you kind of agree with that do you think there's anything there that I you know you would go against no I agree it's I mean we did see that when they they run the ball but they can also run the ball at pace so they can have lots of plays quickly. The, the danger is, as you say, if they're scoring field goals, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight against the Chiefs because you know they can be aggressive and they can score touchdowns in the blink of an eye. Because I mean, as an Eagles fan, I didn't realise you were allowed to have so many fast wide receivers on one roster. I thought they all had to be, you know, plodders, you know, who can't separate and drop easy catches. I, I was stunned to know the. You don't just have to have one, but you can have multiple. You go down, you have a 10-play, 12-minute drive, and you kick it off, and all of a sudden, Nicole Hardman has taken it 50, 60 yards, and he's set them up straight away. That's just on the kickoff return. There's just speed throughout this team. And the, I say the 49 is the best bet for me is I think they need to control the clock. And as I say, they need to be in a position where it's not all on Jimmy Garoppolo. If they're in a position that Jimmy Garoppolo has to pass, 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 and they can't be creative with the ground game by you know platooning in the different running backs, then they're in for a long day. As you say, Jimmy Garoppolo gets a 
an unfair rap, but as I say, I don't think he's being protected by his, uh, his coach. His coach just really... I mean, they asked Kyle Shanahan, why did you call eight pass plays and 42 run plays? Because the run was working. It wasn't a terrified Jimmy's going to ruin it for us. It was, <laughs> why, did, why should I bother? You know, I, yeah. if this works, we're ahead, we're imposing our will, we're keeping their offence off the field, and it works. It keeps, um, you know, as we know, a pass rush, you know, the, the Packers' pass rush is the strength of their team, probably. Well, you can't rush the passer if they're not passing. So straight away, you know, it was straight into the teeth of the pass rush. Be able to just run at you. So it's as long as the 49ers can stay true to what they are, this is still a game. But if it's a case of, okay, you need to match Patrick Mahomes, pass for pass, yard for yard, touchdown for touchdown, I just don't think Jimmy Garoppolo's in that class. Yeah, and I think I think with that, what we're going to have to do... No, actually, before we get into the picks, best tight end in this game... Basically, the best tight end in the league is the question. Is it George Kittle or Travis Kelsey? See, I've always got a soft spot for Kelsey. Um, just he's been doing it longer. Um, he was, you know, his nickname a few years ago was Baby Gronk because it was, you know, once Gronkowski goes, this is the heir apparent, and it's just a bit like that. He hasn't had a chance to enjoy his dominance as the best tight end because as soon as Gronk went, George Kittle arrived. I believe me. I mean, the Eagles have got Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. We're fine for tight ends, thank you very much. But I'd take both of these. Um, over Zach Ertz, you know, even at the current uh, the, the age they are, I just think that Travis Kelsey. It, again, it comes down to this: who's thrown on the ball? It's Patrick Mahomes just thrown to Travis Kelsey. Jimmy Garoppolo's thrown to George Kittle. Now Kittle loves being part of the running game. You know, he loves going out and kick, you know kicking ass and taking names. Kelsey is a good blocker himself, but you always get the opinion. Of, I always get the feeling that he wants to be catching the ball himself, and. You know, in this, you know, this the bragging rights for the number one tight end in the universe. Whoever wins, I'm going to be happy. Because this isn't a case of, you know, alien versus predator. Whoever wins, we all lose. No, no, no. Whoever wins, <laughs> I win. And lovers of tight ends everywhere, we all win. Because we are seeing two of the best of the biggest stage of all go head to head. But for me, it's, it's an offensive player. I'm going to have to side with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and I think you mentioned, like, you know, we, we've talked about it on the show, basically, how both teams will win. I think that I'd be surprised if the Chiefs win by rushing the ball, um, you know, more than they pass the ball. And I'd be surprised if the, the 49ers win passing more than they rush the ball. I think it's kind of a clear indication there as to which is going to go. So when you talk about, you know, who's the quarterback, it's also what is the game plan. And the game plan for the Chiefs is always going to pass the game plan for the 49ers. It's likely going to be more run heavy. Now, that doesn't mean Travis Kelsey can't have success in this and moving forward. And Travis Kelsey is head and shoulders pretty much above everyone not named Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. Um, and he, they, he could potentially be still head and shoulders above them moving forward. But I would be going for the offense, for the kind of play scheme and things like that. And I, I think Travis Kelsey is, is a hell of a lot of fun to watch. But it's like picking hairs. It's uh, one or the other. As you mentioned, they're, they're really has no loser so there is going to be a loser on Sunday night uh, I guess that's a segue into our score predictions um, I'm going to do uh, Sean's prediction for us because uh, you know I don't think the listeners will be too surprised now he's going like if we get Sean's results here we are getting one hell off a Super Bowl he has uh, picked the Chiefs to win 45 to 41 uh, and in terms of in terms of uh, so get on the over. Uh, if you can get a over 90 points uh, on the, the over this weekend, Sean's, Sean's going for that. And uh, no surprise, uh, Patrick Mahomes is his pick for, uh, for the MVP. Now, I'm going to let you go for us, Neil. You know, it's always you know, the right thing to let the person who's the guest on the show have the floor. So 
What's your prediction? Kind of you. um, <laughs> I'm going to say I, I, the Chiefs are going to win, I think. Um, I'm going to take them 27-17. And the MVP is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Because I just say, they're not going to run the ball. So Damian Williams' MVP hopes are pretty much gone. I don't think LeSean McCoy is probably... LeSean McCoy might not even be active. Um, and, you know, unless it's... Unless Patrick Mahomes completes 15 passes and 10 of them go to either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey and does pretty lo- pretty little else, he's going to be the he's going to be the MVP if they win. Yeah, I think uh, I would feel feel kind of similar there in terms of the MVP. I thought earlier when you were saying about the emotional attachment to the Chiefs, I thought you were going to say it was to do with uh, Lashawn McCoy, uh, former former Eagle as well with uh, Andy Reid. But uh, see, I'm, at- I'm one of these I'm one of these bit of strange people. I seem to be the as much as Lashawn McCoy was great for the Eagles, obviously leading all time Russia. If you ask me, who would I rather have in their pomp? I would take Brian Westbrook over Lashawn McCoy. So. And I, I was, did a lot of good things, but <laughs> I, I was uh, I was saying that in jest because you know I think in terms of who people would have most fondness for in Philadelphia, I would have to imagine it, it is Andy Reid. But uh, that that Philadelphia connection there, so that's two marks in the the emotional attachment bank for for you. Uh, when when I look at it, me and you've gone for a similar gap in score, but I've gone thirty four twenty four to the Chiefs. I just think I do think the the Forty ers will put up points, but I think they'll be playing from behind a little bit in this, and I can't see them really keeping that Chiefs. Uh, uh, offense under uh, under 27 would have been my pick but I think it's going to finish up 34-24 and like let's tie it up in a bow here Patrick Mahomes again as the MVP uh, I think that's the way this one's going to go if the if the Chiefs if the Chiefs win and we feel pretty strongly about that so that's going to do it for the Super Bowl preview edition. It's been it's been a lot of fun looking through it. Um, all of us going on the way of the Chiefs. That probably means that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl this coming Sunday evening. But uh, when we look at it, uh, Neil, I guess I'll, I always like to to let the listeners know where to find where to find you. That is at n dotton thirteen on Twitter. You can keep up to date because Neil does phenomenal work up on the road of his site but he also does it on many other uh, platforms as well but Neil I know on the, the last uh, show you were saying about some of the articles were coming up is there anything non-article related that you, you want to share I know you mentioned a uh, shameless plug um, for for the podcast do you want to give it a shout out while you're on yes you can listen to my witterings on uh, my own podcast it's called uh, Waxing Lyrical with Mains and Dots it's me and my uh, partner in crime Paul, Paul Mainsy Mannering we'll Still be going throughout the off-season. We'll be talking all manner of nonsense. We like to get some <laughs> regular guests on that we've had over the years. So, especially coming up to the draft, we'll hopefully have the likes of Mark Schofield from inside the pylon, uh, Matt Harmon to talk wide receivers. And, you know, there'll be a whole host of people uh, who will come on and will put themselves at risk of ear damage listening to my monotonous Scouse monotone. So, yeah, wax. <laughs> Wax and Lyrical remains and dots wherever wherever good podcasts are found and bad ones as well. <laughs> so no, I definitely think that that's a good shout out because uh, it's always a good one. I always find you know I mentioned there on our show previously, podcasts tend to take a little bit of a dip off this time of year, but this is where those diehard listeners will be checking in, getting ready for the draft and things like that. So definitely check check that out, and also make sure you're staying here with the Rotoviz Network and all the different shows that we have running throughout the off season. As I mentioned, Neil is on Twitter at endupton thirteen. My name is Colin Kelly. I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back with another show, I guess we'll sign this one off a little bit differently enjoy the super bowl wherever you watch it around the world and of course have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at 10% discount to the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.